Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about Romans chapter 4 between verses 9 and 16. And what I was doing was giving a general explanation concerning some of the points here in Romans chapter 4. And in this program, I would like to deal with some of the details that are found here in Romans chapter 4. To begin with, I need to give you the big picture, and then I can get down to some more specifics. The big picture has to do with the fact that humanity fell in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree. They violated the law of God. And as a result, you have the fall of humanity. Now, the fall of humanity has to do with two things. The first thing that it has to do with is the fact that they did not believe the living God. They did not believe God. Instead, they decided to believe the devil. The other issue that we need to be aware of is the fact that they died spiritually. The reason why I can say that they died spiritually is because that's what it says in Genesis chapter 2, that in the day that you eat from the wrong tree, in that day you will surely die. Now, they did die in that very day, but it was not a physical death. It was a spiritual death, whereas the life of God that had been breathed within them was withdrawn. And that life of God that was breathed within them was the Holy Spirit of God. There was a physical death that did occur. In Adam's case, it was about 930 years later, but it did happen. But that, to me, was not the death that the Lord was referring to. That death, the physical death, in many ways, can be described as an act of mercy, because if you haven't noticed, this is not heaven, and it's not the Garden of Eden either. What I'd like to do in this program, though, is to explain to you that this is a serious problem. This is a serious problem. First of all, the life and death issue is a serious problem. The living God resolved the life and death issue by providing the Messiah, He died for the sins of humanity so he could restore to us the Holy Spirit that had been lost in Adam. But in this program, what I would like to emphasize is not the subject of salvation, even though it's very important. In this program, what I'm going to emphasize is the subject of not believing God. I'm going to focus on that, especially as it relates to Romans chapter 4. Not believing God was the sin that Adam committed that resulted in the consequence of him dying spiritually, of experiencing spiritual death, which resulted in him being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, which resulted in him dying physically. There are consequences to all actions and all decisions. However, the initial problem that took place between Adam and God was that Adam said that God was not believable, that God was not trustworthy. Now I'm going to advance a little bit to the time of Abraham. And we know in the scriptures that Abraham was declared to be righteous because he believed God. Adam fell in the Garden of Eden because he did not believe God. 
Abraham is declared to be righteous because he does believe God. This is very, very important. The righteousness of God is expressed by believing in God, by trusting in God. First of all, his righteousness is revealed because he is believable, because he is trustworthy. And when you acknowledge that he is believable and he is trustworthy, then you are declared to be righteous because you believe the Lord. This has nothing to do with whether you are circumcised or not. This has nothing to do with regards to how repentant or obedient you might be. Those issues have to do with another part of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Those issues had to do with what Adam did believe. He believed that if he only knew what was good and evil, then he could function as God created him to function, if not better. The law was given, God gave the law, as his contribution to mankind's great effort to try and be a man without God, to try and live according to the knowledge of good and evil. The law was given so that we could have more to go on with regards to this pursuit of trying to be right, of trying to be good, of trying to be holy through our repentance and obedience according to a defined, established list of commandments. So the righteousness that we experience in Christ Jesus is a righteousness based on believing and trusting in what he has done for us, whereas the righteousness that is hinted at through the law is a righteousness that you could perhaps obtain through your repentance and obedience. But of course, we know that you will not succeed because you will not obey all of the commandments. And so you will never be declared to be righteous or holy because you will never be obedient enough. You will never be repentant enough. And that was the point. That was the purpose of God giving the law, was to show us that there was no way that we could possibly enter into the kingdom of heaven. There is no way that we can possibly have a relationship with our God outside of his grace and mercy. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, when the Lord spoke to Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, he spoke about a couple of very important things. Beginning in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, there are a couple of things here. First of all, you have this description of a blessing. You have the description of a promise. And the promise comes later in the context of circumcision, of course. But you have the beginning of the covenant right here between God and Abraham. You have the blessing, you have a promise, and you also have another prophecy that in him all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, he also refers to the land, which will be an inheritance. And those are the three things that I'm going to focus on in this program, is first of all the blessings, 
I'm going to focus on the inheritance and I'm going to focus on the promise. Now, from an Israelite point of view, from a Jewish point of view, or from an Abrahamic point of view, you could look at this and you could say the blessing will be the blessings that you receive while you are in the land because of your obedience to the commandments. Because certainly if you will obey the commandments, then God will bless you. That's what God said when he gave the commandments. Of course, you'll never have to deliver because no one will ever obey all the commandments. But it sounds good. It's good. It's inspiring. It got people motivated. It kept the nation of Israel going for a long time. So it is important. It is motivational. But the blessings that people focus on tend to be these blessings associated with the flesh. When it comes to the inheritance, the inheritance that people would think of during the time of Moses and during the time of the kings of Israel, the inheritance had to do with the inheritance of the land, the physical land of Israel, which had great importance. I did a series on the subject of tithing, where in the second and third program, I spoke a lot about the importance of understanding the land in the context of an inheritance, the purpose for that, the value of that, and some of the issues related to that. But the inheritance is a very important part of the covenant that God made with Abraham. The promise, the promise that all the families on the earth would be blessed was also very important, and what people have assumed is that the opportunity for all the families on the earth to be blessed is based on the obedience of Israel. It is based on the commandments of Israel, that first of all, Israel could be a blessing to the world, but also they could share the commandments of God with the world, and if the world will also live in obedience to the commandments, then all of the families on earth would be blessed. Now, according to the Old Covenant, this is correct. But again, these things will never be realized because people have discovered that the truth is that we will, in the end, have to rely and depend on the mercy of God, not on our obedience. And so none of these things that people assume will ever have to be fulfilled because there is something wrong with us, not because there is something wrong with the covenant or the law, but there's something wrong with us. What is wrong with us, of course, is the fact that we have sin. We have indwelling sin. We struggle with the issues of sin. And so we will never be able to realize those things according to the Old Covenant. But in the New Covenant, these things have been revealed. First of all, we have been blessed with all blessings in heavenly places. We have already received everything that we need for life and godliness. But this is not something that he has delivered through the law, this is something that he has delivered by giving himself to us. He has given to us an inheritance. You have received an inheritance in Christ Jesus as a result of his death. This has been described throughout the New Testament. Do a search on the word inheritance and you will find a number of passages in the scriptures that explain that we have already received an inheritance. And it is my personal belief that the maturity of a believer, the maturity of a Christian, can often be measured by not only their discovery of what they have already received in terms of blessings, and as he has also described himself as an inheritance, and the application of the inheritance that we have been given, the maturity of a believer can be measured by their discovery and application of what they have already in Christ Jesus, which of course is Himself, It is our God. It is Jesus. It is him 
When you discover and acknowledge Him in your life and you walk in the reality of who He is to you, in the reality that He loves you, that He accepts you, that He forgives you, and when you acknowledge those fundamental truths that He has already revealed, it will be easy for Him to reveal to you other things that do require you to understand the full nature of forgiveness, of course. And he does require you to understand the differences between law and grace, the old covenant and the new covenant. And he will reveal so much more to you to the extent where he will be able to reveal to you what he sees in the world that you are a part of. He will be able to speak to you concerning what he hears and what he understands. He will give you understanding. He will give you meaning in your life and he will give you purpose. This is what he has promised. When it comes to the promise, again, he is the promise. According to the new covenant, the promise is not a physical plot of land in Israel. The promise is the giving of the Messiah. In Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, it is written, In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through him. That is the promise. The promise is is that he would provide a Messiah. The Messiah would provide salvation to the world. He would give salvation. He is giving salvation to anyone who is willing to receive it. And salvation is the restoration of the spirit that was lost in Adam. So that we would receive the promise of the spirit through faith. And we receive the spirit not because of our repentance and obedience. We receive the spirit because we believe him. Because we trust him. Because that is what he promised. And regardless of what we understand concerning how the Spirit comes upon us or does not. Just as we do not understand where the wind comes from or where it goes, so also the Spirit comes. And he will reside within you because the living God no longer holds your sins against you anymore. In verse 15, this is Galatians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say and to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed. That is Christ in verse 17. What I am saying is this, the law which came 430 years later does not invalidate the covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Now, what I want you to understand is that there is a set of problems. You have the fact that Adam and Eve did not believe God. You have the fact that they died spiritually. And you have the issue, the fact, that they decided to live according to the knowledge of good and evil. And just as this world began, and it will eventually end, so also for each one of these three issues, there will be a beginning and there will be an end. 
Now consider for a moment the beginning and the end of this world, right? We have the creation of this world and eventually this world will be destroyed. That is a beginning and that is an end. Now let's condense the time period a little bit and realize that there was a point when Adam did not believe God. And eventually there was another point when our God found someone who would believe him. And that was Abraham. That's a beginning and there is an end in the context of belief, in the context of trust. Now, this is ongoing, of course. Even today, there are people who are struggling with the issues related to the fact that they have to believe God and trust him. And if they don't want to do that, if they don't do that, then they will, of course, experience the consequences of that. But there are other beginnings. There are other endings. There are multiple endings to the same beginning. Consider the problem that Adam and Eve experienced that they died spiritually. This problem began when they ate from the tree. And the end of this problem, the solution to this problem was presented after Jesus rose from the dead. There was a beginning and there was an end. The beginning of this problem took place in the Garden of Eden and the end took place in Jerusalem where Jesus died and then he resurrected from the dead. When he resurrected from the dead, there was a period of time until the next festival and that was the Feast of Weeks or what we call the Feast of Pentecost. And on the Feast of Pentecost, the solution to this problem was finally given. This was the ending point. There was the beginning and the end and the end was when our God gave to the first believers, the first people who were born again by the Spirit. He gave them the Spirit that had been lost in Adam. Now, there is another beginning and end, and that has to do with the belief that if you only know what is good and evil, then you can be like God. That's another problem that our God needed to resolve. There was a beginning, and that was in the Garden of Eden, of course, and there was an end. And that end took place, in my opinion, the real ending of that question, of that problem, of that issue. The ending point was when Jesus was here personally ministering here on the earth, and he told people that they failed. He spent most of his ministry explaining, especially to the religious people, that they had not succeeded, even though they believed that they did succeed. You see, at this time in history... The Pharisees, who were the representatives of the religious people there in Israel, they believed that they had finally achieved success. And so our God waited as long as possible until the Jews were fully convinced in their minds, or at least the religious Jews were, were fully convinced in their minds that they had finally achieved success, that they knew what was good, they knew what was evil, and they were living according to the knowledge of good and evil successfully. It was at that point that the living God showed up personally and explained to them that they were not as successful as they thought they were, that they had failed. He did that so that he could show them that they still had a need for mercy. That was what he was doing there. That was the end of this issue concerning the law. Now, there are other endings to this issue because there has been many people throughout the course of history who have struggled with this issue. I struggled with this issue and eventually I came to an end. And that ending was the discovery that my pursuit of a relationship with my God through repentance and obedience 
was going to lead nowhere. I was pursuing something that I thought I would achieve only to discover that I would never achieve it. So I experienced my own ending to this beginning. But I want you to see this. Now, concerning the Jew and the Gentile, concerning the Jew and the Gentile, there was a beginning and there was an end. The separation between the Jew and the Gentile took place through the law. It was when the law was given that there was a separation. Now, we could refer to Abraham and say that that is the beginning of the law. I like to refer to that. But you could also look at Moses and you could say that there was another beginning there. I'm only speaking in generalities. I'm not trying to get to specifics and say that this is the absolute. I'm not interested in that. I just want you to see the general perspective of the beginning and the end concerning these issues of blessings, inheritance, promise, salvation, those kinds of things, law, grace, beginning, ending. There was a beginning where the Jew and the Gentile were separated, and I'm going to refer to circumcision as a beginning of this separation where there was the circumcised and there was the uncircumcised. And then there was an ending, and this ending took place when salvation was presented. Now, the church did not discover that a Gentile could be saved without first becoming a Jew until Acts chapter 11. It was Acts chapter 11 when the church discovered that a Gentile could be saved, but I believe that a Gentile could have been saved on the day of Pentecost. So I'm going to pick that as an ending point and just say that there was a division between the Jew and the Gentile through Abraham, And there was a unification of the Jew and the Gentile on Pentecost when salvation was given, when the spirit of life was presented to humanity as a free gift. I want you to see the beginning and the ending. This is the struggle. This is the struggle that the people were dealing with at this time. They were not willing to embrace the end. They were not willing to embrace that. In Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, it says, Is this blessing then on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while uncircumcised so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. He is the father. He is the father of the Jews, of the circumcised, and he is the father of the uncircumcised. Because, yes, through circumcision, there was a division that was created, but both branches, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, are going to be righteous only because of the faith that he had. The branching or the division between the two was necessary in order to deal with this other problem concerning the knowledge of good and evil. But the problem concerning salvation, the problem concerning the restoration of the Holy Spirit, and the problem concerning belief or unbelief did not require this division. He only made that division to resolve this other issue. But the other beginning and ending concerning the separation between man and God and the unification between man and God was something else. You need to see this in order to appreciate and understand 
why the people were struggling with this issue. It was because at this time people had not yet seen the unification of the Jew and the Gentile as they needed to see it. This was the time when people were wrestling with this, and this is why the Apostle Paul was sent by God to speak to people concerning these issues. Verse 13, this is Romans chapter 4, verse 13, it says, For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Again, we become a part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God under the Messiah, because we believe in him. Our faith, which is our response to the truth that he has revealed, is what our God looks at, and he declares us to be righteous because we believe, because of our faith. In verse 14, For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. The promise is of no purpose, it is of no effect, it has no value if you could achieve salvation, if you could achieve a relationship through the Messiah, through the law then there would be no purpose for it. There would be no reason for it. But again, the promise was given at one beginning and the end was fulfilled on Pentecost. The issue of the law was started after that and ended after that before Jesus died on the cross. Technically, I suppose you could say that it was the cross. It was forgiveness that set people free. But again, I'm not here to talk about specifics right now. I only want to show you the general point of view. In verse 15, For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there also is no violation. For this reason it is by faith, in order that it might be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. The unification, the unification of all the descendants of Abraham, whether they are Jew or Gentile, even if they are not the direct lineage of Abraham. If they are not of the bloodline of Abraham, they can still become a child of God through the faith of Abraham. In verse 17, As it is written, A father of many nations have I made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937 or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,